Alrighty, hello everyone, and welcome back to the Reformed Dissenters, the show where Reformed Christians dissent against popular ideas of culture by asserting a biblical worldview. My name is Bruce Johnson, joined, of course, by my brother Jacob Johnson. Hello, everybody. And today is Current Events Monday, so we've got a ton of stuff to break down. If you are not living under a rock, um, as I'm sure a few of your friends probably are, but uh, if you happen to be an under-the-rock dweller, that's a thing now, I decided, then you'll know that there have been a recent chain or train of train derailments. Ha <laughs> ha. And uh, we're going to talk about one of the first train derailments that happened uh, over there in yonder Ohioville. Um, so yeah, there's there's stuff going. Jake is just making the funniest face right now. <laughs> he's like, oh, he's like, why do I put up with this guy? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so there's stuff to talk about here. And um, yeah, there's there's details that probably you're not aware of. I know there's a lot of details that I wasn't aware of. Jake's going to delve into all of those. And uh, we're going to chat about that because there's stuff to talk about. And then I'm going to do uh, what we've been doing the past couple of weeks, which is to kind of um, sum things up. I was tasked with wrapping up the episode. And... Um, it's meant to be a theological wrap up. And uh, the last couple of weeks, I've had to convince Jake of my perspective in some of those wrap ups. So, um, so this week was no exception. And um, we showed up like an hour before we showed up in the call, like an hour before we started recording. Yeah. And yeah. he's like, um, uh, so I was looking at your notes. And you remember <laughs> that? Uh, you remember I asked you to, to do a wrap up of uh, this current events episode, you know, based on my doc and my notes and i was like yeah yeah i remember that he's like did you read my doc <laughs> and i was like yeah i read your doc <laughs> uh, and he's like okay you're gonna have to explain this one to me <laughs> yeah. that was like that was spot on exactly what i said uh, yeah yeah i was yeah. confused yes yeah so that's um so you know stay tuned for that wrap-up i promise i did read his doc and i i wrote what i wrote for a reason and we had a a show prep yeah Yeah, i I understand it yeah the connection you just there's you gotta make sure you understand the connection you gotta think (laughs) through the connection yes yeah so it's it's not too much of a rabbit trail actually you You can i didn't think it was you can see it yeah yeah so you know we may discuss that and be like, hey, here's why I think this fits and here's why I think this is important. So, all right. Anywho, before we get into all of that, we have to talk about our verse of the week. This week, it's Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, which if you've gotten an email from us or you emailed us and we replied, you'll notice it's in the signature of every one of our emails because this is like, our second show verse. Our first show verse is Matthew 5.13, which is on the wall behind me here. Um, Colossians 3.17, though, is kind of like our secondary show verse. And this is kind of the one it's that... outro. Yeah, it is the outro. End, That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it's basically... I think we paraphrased... We rephrased, and, yeah, yeah. Paraphrased it. Yep. Yep. But here we go. Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do in work... I'm sorry, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And again, that's Colossians 3.17. So short, short verse. Not too much there. (laughs) Ha ha, psych. 
there's so much there um and we (laughs) okay that was weird uh we spent the last two discussion fridays talking to pretty much this concept what this verse sums up in a sentence we spent two whole half hour episodes and we barely scratched the surface of that topic which is working for the lord in all that you do do it as unto the lord as we always say in our outro right so that's where we got this from and whatever you do in word or deed so that's both aspects of us i mean we we are people who are four we have four dimensions as a human and we're to love god with all four of those dimensions our heart our heart soul mind and strength so we have those four dimensions as a person but this word indeed sums up those four dimensions, I think, into two categories. It's either word, which describes mental, which describes your heart, emotions, mental, all of that, and then verbal. deed. Yeah, verbal. And then deed, that's your strength. Um, and your soul would fit kind of in between in, in both of those, I would say. So... Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. And so that's what we attempt to do on this show. What we attempt to do is apply the Bible to all areas of life. And uh, we hope we succeed at that. We're desperately trying to succeed in that task. And if we happen to fail in certain areas, we always want our audience to reprimand us, slap us on the wrist a little bit and just say, hey, get back on track because everybody needs that. So. You can send us those reprimanding emails if you'd like to by sending them to drdshow at protonmail.com. I didn't even plan that, but that just kind of happened. So drdshow at protonmail.com. Just slide the email address in there. And our show website is trdshow.net. And that's where you can find a list of platforms we're on. If you want to follow us on places like Gab and Getter, which we highly recommend, you can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We don't highly recommend that, but, you know, if you want to do that, you can do that. That's 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 okay. Um, follow us on YouTube. Follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all sorts of stuff, all sorts of platforms. And, of course, we have every single one of those links on our website. So you don't have to go and, like, scramble around trying to find our username. And, oh, no, where are they? Just go to our website, trdshow.net. Super easy. Type it in. And uh, you can just click on those links to find us on all our platforms. So Super easy. Barely an inconvenience. Right. We're going to get copyrighted for that. Thanks, Jake. No. Goodness. <laughs> recording ryan george for those of you who don't know his youtube channel is just positively hilarious uh not great uh not christian comedy if you want no no good comedy you'll have to go to our good friend john brannion for that but um if you're looking for just a laugh every once in a while then ryan george is pretty good at that and with that i don't think his quotes are are copyrighted though his quotes yeah well, then that's a missed opportunity on his part. Yeah. <laughs> and with like that. Hard to copyright that one. It would be. You'd have to look for like every instance of when somebody says. Somebody says. Yeah. Phrase yeah. And sue the heck out of them. And I don't know that that's feasible. So. Well, you're the lawyer in the room. So. I don't know. <laughs> well, even so, it's like. Um, okay. So here's an example. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was watching a different video on this and. Sorry to go on a rabbit trail, everybody, but... Take it away. Um, <laughs> taking a picture of the Eiffel Tower is not right. illegal. Hmm. Taking a picture of the Eiffel Tower at night with its lights on, as a personal person who, like, 
is just taking a picture and just is like sharing it with friends and stuff. That's not illegal either. Even though, so the here's the interesting thing. The Eiffel Tower during the day is not copyrighted, but the Eiffel Tower at night with all the lights is Wait, copyrighted. What? Yes. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Now, the copyright attacks people using it in large media productions. Okay. So if you were to use that in a large film, that would be wrong. That would be copyright infringement will come upon you. Wait, uh, who do you have to get permission from to use the picture of the Eiffel Tower in a film? Paris? Like, <laughs> the city of Paris? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Whoever has the copyright, I mean... Well, you know? okay. I, I think that's interesting. Well, like, that, that was my question. I'm like, who the heck copyrighted the the, the Eiffel Tower? <laughs> well, I think it would have like to be that, the person was, because it would have to show brother. that it's your intellectual property. Oh, you know? well, yeah, but if it's a picture of something. Right. That... No, no, no. They're copywriting the Eiffel Tower itself. Wow. So, so the Eiffel that's Tower, if you take a picture of it and then right. you use it, yeah, you're using someone else's intellectual property in a sense. Huh, that's really interesting. Um, wow, but you know, well, it, it's trail. now Sorry, we're yeah. at the point in the episode where it's now your responsibility to segue seamlessly from copyright infringement of the Eiffel Tower into train derailments in Ohio. So, go do that right now. <laughs> there are trains in Paris, I think. <laughs> oh, there it is. We have trains in Ohio <laughs> running off the tracks. Yes. And on February 3rd, uh, a 50-car train <laughs> was derailed due to an axle malfunction. Uh, decent segue, that, I think. That was good. Okay. <laughs> yep. You get an A-plus uh, for that one. Bravo. <laughs> now, the train, it, I, I think everybody has heard of this story before, right? I'm sorry, I, back I, up. I, Did you say 50-car car, train? 50-car yeah. train because mm -hmm. of an axle yeah, on like, one of the trains, and I think it was like wow. We don't. I don't know where the axle was, but it yeah. looked like from different videos that I was seeing, looked like it was closer to like the middle of of all the cars. Wow. But yeah, um, one axle. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Uh, again, we're talking about the very first car uh, train derailment. A lot of these derailments have been happening. Uh, but this one is specifically in East Palestine, Ohio. And this train in East Palestine, Ohio, was carrying uh, very dangerous and hazardous chemicals. Um, and, you know, the train, okay, let me, let me go into why the, the problems with the axle and everything else. The train was derailed because of a fire, right, that was caused by the axle scraping against the ground. Ooh. Wow. Well, against I guess against the metal track, so it created sparks. Wow. Um. So and then it caught it. It was hitting the. I guess it was hitting the uh the car, the train car, because it looked like in at least in the things that I was seeing, looked like the train car was made of metal. So yeah. it's like, how did it catch the the chemicals? Maybe it on hit fire? the. The ties, like the the wooden ties that go back and forth. It didn't caught, catch the well. I'm assuming when it exploded, the the um <laughs> the train ties that. were caught yeah. on fire. But 
I don't think yeah. it was ca- catching the train ties. Now, if someone finds out that it did, then, you know, there we go. But I think it's like it was heating up the metal in a sense and then combusted the, the chemicals inside of the train car. So no actual wow. fire hit the it, it, that's my speculation. All the article that I was reading said is that um, is that a fire was start, started by the axle and the, the chemicals exploded mm. uh, when it wow. reached. Now, they recorded the 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 um the fire or sorry the um the sparks in the fire happening 20 miles outside of east palestine Whoa. so they had there was a security camera that caught That's this going crazy. on and and it ha- was going and it exploded in east palestine 20 miles later mm. um now when the train reached east palestine and it derailed the the fire department was trying to take care of it and um and so right what they had to do is they opened one of the one of the uh sorry they opened some i think it was several of the chemical cards and let the chemical out because oh so it didn't explode Exactly, exactly. Okay. To prevent the explosions. And, you know, wow. you can see how that tracks. It's like, it's understandable why they would do that. The The fire department in East Palestine, East Palestine is a very small town. And the fire department is also small. So, And they were not used to dealing with this sort of stuff. They're not experienced in this sort of situation. So yeah, they train responded. Explosions, train expo- explosions probably didn't come up too much in the fire department. Yeah. Uh, training, no, safety no. Manual. Uh, so I, you know, you can see that they handled this as well as they could, you know, like, I don't think that the fire department should be the one to blame, but however, they did let out the chemicals causing them to catch fire and then causing this smoke to go up into the air, causing these other problems with the town. Wow. But again, I don't think the fire department is the one to blame here, you know? Um, no, before you go further, um, this is absolutely insane. And I think you're about to say that it gets even worse, but this all happened on February 3rd, 3rd. right? So that's like over two weeks ago. Yeah. It's, it's kind of insane. I know Steve Dace was talking about this a little bit and he brought up the fact that it's like, it's insane that there's nothing in the media about this. This is not. We're we're just now hearing about this. This happened like over two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Like this is a pretty big deal, um, yeah. and we're the only reason we're hearing about it. I think is because there's other train derailments, and it it kind of was just in the list of things. It's like, oh yeah, this was another one, and it's like, yeah. wait, what? Yeah. yeah, sorry to interrupt, but it's it's well, kind of yeah. crazy to me. You brought that up, which made me think of this. Is that also in the aftermath of all this? The area was spread with chemicals, right? You've got these chemical clouds now, these toxic clouds in the air, uh, which has poisoned the water system, has poisoned animals, causing tons of the livestock to die. Yeah. Um, the fish in the water are all dead. Are pretty much a, a lot of them are dead. Wow. Um. However, the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency. Is telling all the people in the town. Now, okay, I didn't say this, but the town was evacuated. 
Okay. Oh, good. They they were wow. they were evacuated. For those that didn't know that, I'm kind of assuming you're following the story uh, at least a little bit. I'm Assume not giving you all the details. Yeah. That, yeah. Go do your own research, please. Um, <laughs> but um, they were evacuated, and however, the EPA is telling them, "Okay, it's fine. You can come back in." Say there what? are still problems. There's a toxic cloud still up there. There, yeah. the the soil is spread across with chemicals. You know, wow. The uh, what was it? There was one reporter who went to East Palestine. He took a stick and he put oh, yeah. it into the river and I he moved he it a, around. He's a representative, Ohio representative. Oh, okay, okay. Thank you. That's better. That yes, okay. And he took a stick and he was moving it around in the yeah. river. Chemicals were coming up from the bottom of the riverbed. Yeah, I watched that video. Literally just scraped the bottom. Didn't even move. Just went, shh, just one little scrape. Oof, cloud of just like oil looking garbage gunk came off the bottom of that river. Yeah, yeah. it was insane. Mm-hmm. Yep. So to move on, I kind of I'm going to go through this next point quickly because I know Bruce wants at least 10 minutes. To talk about what he's talking about. Uh, read word for word and it won't take super long, I swear. <laughs> um, let's talk about the bigger cause. Right. So I, I already had stated I don't think the the um I don't think the fire department should be to blame. The cause was in a sense negligence on the part of the train company. Because of because of several layoffs the train company was not taking regulations as seriously. Um, the operators of the train were, were kind of assuming in a sense, but we know how the technology works. They were probably notified to the fact that there was a, there was a, a, a fire happening on the train, that there was a problem with the train yet. They ignored it. Hmm. Um, and, this brings me to the point during this train derailment. Uh, sorry, hold on. Going back a little bit, when under Trump's presidency, he lifted or you know lessened some of the OSHA regulations to make it easier on the company due to layoffs because of COVID. He lifted some of the regulations uh, to make it easier. And, of course, the left is going crazy about this because they heard about that. And so they're they're all in an <laughs> outrage. Right. Whatever. <clears throat> They'll do that about anything. So can't yeah. trust their opinion anymore. Yeah. But. And, you know, what is the, in the response of the, the left in this is saying that, oh, now we need more regulations because, you know, this, this is a problem, uh, you know, more, more government involvement. But I think my overall point is that these regulations did not uh, compounded the situation. All right. I will I will change because of because of Bruce and I's talk post show, pre show. <laughs> sorry. Uh, I will change my language there. I think they compounded the problem. Yes. Uh, because of these regulations, people just rest on the regulations. So mm. think of the regulations as like a brick wall here. 
They're just right. leaning on the on the brick wall. These regulations, yeah, and you know, without common sense, yeah. Now, when the regulations are lifted, these people <laughs> fall down. They fall down. The brick wall uh -huh. is gone, and you're still leaning on it. Oh, but it's not there anymore. You got nothing to lean on. Yeah. Yep. So now, and I, I'm saying this for dramatic effect. Now they act like irresponsible little children mm -hmm. and take advantage of their new freedoms uh, and do whatever they want. Right. It's almost as if the civil government was created to be the justice division of society and not the division of society that tells us all how to build trains, how to build houses, and make sure that we're all doing it properly. Mm -hmm. hmm. Yeah. How funny. I wonder what yeah. worldview would carry that perspective. <laughs> Very strange. Mm -hmm. So, again, let me change my language again. I think the nanny state <clears throat> has made this issue and problem way worse. Hmm. Because of these regulations, because of these, this government cracking down in, in this total government involvement is causing people to be lazy. More lazy. Or at least causing them to be more so lazy. Yeah. Um, so really, my point is more regulations do not create a safer nation. Yes. It instead creates a volatile nation. Mm-hmm. That... A nation that derails a train that explodes. Yeah. Immediately when you lift a law, the nation will explode. Yeah. That's not a good shape to be in. No. No, it's not. Yep. Uh, I'll hand it over to Bruce now at this point, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Well, that's and that's that's a really good point. And what I want to talk about is kind of the root of that of that problem. Um and this is more of a generic general identifying the root and solving this root problem, but it's also a big call to action um, for us as Christians in the workforce. So this incident, as Jacob discussed, occurred largely because of people not doing their jobs as conscientiously as they should. They took shortcuts, they were lazy, they didn't take initiative or responsibility. They didn't work like Christians. That's my main premise here. They didn't work like Christians. One of the difficult issues facing Bible-following Christians today, especially in America, is the unfortunate fact that much of this country is filled with so many unbelievers, or even people who call themselves, quote-unquote, Christians, without understanding what that term actually means. What does it actually mean to be a Christian? A lot of these people just, they don't know. This means we're constantly having to share a country, a county, uh, share a state, a town, and even a workplace with these kinds of people. These people who are Christian in name only or aren't even Christian in name at all. And so they are lazy. They don't take initiative. They're irresponsible. They take shortcuts because they don't work like Christians. True Christians who read their Bibles will live differently. They will be a light in this world because of how they do things. Things like work, for instance. They should be hard workers uh, who pay attention to detail and take responsibility 
when they mess up. Uh, Proverbs 6, verses 6 through 11, probably one of the most popular uh, Proverbs that a lot of people know, uh, but I think it's really pertinent. Um, this passage says, Go to the ant, O sluggard, consider, consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief officer or ruler, she, prepare, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Unbelievers won't act like a Christian consistently. They have no real deeper reason to do so. And as soon as nobody's watching, they'll take whatever shortcut they can. Whereas we as Christians know that God is always watching. And hopefully we live accordingly. And if not, we confess, we confess our sins for not living accordingly and we get back to work. We fix that. We work on our sanctification so that we do live that way. This means our responsibilities in the workplace, no matter what occupation we're in, no matter the occupation, we have a twofold uh, sense of responsibility in the workplace. One, we must work differently. We should refuse to cave to the pressures of this world and our flesh. We should flee laziness and desire to run from our mistakes. Um, we should flee laziness and the desire. We should also flee the desire to run from our mistakes instead of fixing them. Secondly, we must be ready to take initiative. When the unbeliever isn't stepping up, or standing in the gap, that person's manager should have a sneaking suspicion that his Christian employer, employee will. So we should be the ones that people are kind of expecting, darn, my employee, uh, my employee who is not a Christian messed up again. Or, man, this task really needs to get done, and I'm going to have to tell somebody to do it. Wait a minute, I have this sneaking suspicion that Maybe my Christian employee is already doing it. And he goes to check and, oh, he is. I didn't even have to tell him, but he is doing it. I, I, well, that's great. We should be that kind, those kinds of people who take initiative, who realize that, hey, we didn't check the axle on this car. We should check this. And I'm not going to wait for permission. I'm not going to wait for a regulation to tell me to do it. I'm going to do it because that is what God would want me to do. That's loving my neighbor as myself. That's caring for my employer. That's doing a good job and being diligent. That's going to the ant and learning the ways of the ant and doing things without having to be told to do them. This is not an easy task. I know all of you, myself included, Jake, anybody who hears that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we're supposed to do. I get it. That makes sense. That's really idealistic though, Bruce. That's really hard to do. Heck yeah, it's hard to do. It's very hard to do. It's not natural. It's very hard to do, to have a work ethic, especially in today's day and age. Living differently than everyone around you is tiring. Fighting your own natural tendency toward laziness is tiring. Don't forget, part of the curse is that we hate work. We hate what we were created to do. Part of the curse is us now having to fight and work by the sweat of our brow, work against thorns both in the flesh, in our own minds, and physical, physical thorns, right? But this shouldn't stop us from striving to do what we need to do. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. 
God knows we need rest. He's given us little things in life to sustain us when we're burnt out. We're given a whole day of celebration every week, the Lord's Day. So celebrate. Uh, we're given wine to help us relax and calm down. So don't shun alcohol. It's a gift from God. We're given family for encouragement and help. And we're given beauty in this world to help revive and remind us of the God we're working for. Psalm 100 says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. That's singing. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Then right after that, it says, serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. So yes, we're surrounded by enemies of God. And yes, we've been given an incredibly large amount of work to do. But the God who gave us this work is the same God who created us and knows our limitations. He's called us to be lights in this twisted generation to live differently, to work for his kingdom with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to celebrate his victory over the strong man with singing. So let's do that. Let's be Christians. Let's be Christian workers. And let's make it so that the world suspects that we are probably going to be the ones who take initiative, and they're the ones who probably won't. How was that connection, Jake? <laughs> Did it kind of make sense? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So that connection being is that when people are lazy, you know, they, they will then become irresponsible, causing the government to need to get involved. Yep, And I don't know if you explained this, but that's, that's a judgment from God. When we're lazy, God will use the tyrannical government getting involved as a judgment. Yep. We get out of that by doing two things. And Bruce and I are on kind of two ends, the spectrum, bringing up both points, saying that both need to be done. I... I'm saying that we need to get rid of all these regulations, causing these people to be more irresponsible. And Bruce is saying we need to fix the irresponsibility and then get rid of the regulations. Or, or what I think what Bruce is saying is doing them at the same time, which yeah. I completely and totally agree with. We yeah. need to be doing both. Yes. Again, and I, what I will say is that Trump's problem was that a he's not a Christian, b he doesn't have a Christian worldview, and so. Because of those two things, he approached the problem thinking, oh, let me just get rid of the regulations without recognizing that without yeah. the regulations, we don't unfortunately have the capability to regulate ourselves. So I think one thing we talked about in the pre-show was the civil government is not our worst enemy right now. We are. The American yeah. people are. We're our own worst enemy because we are so depraved and we've lost sight of what it means to be a Christian. So even if, even if, let's just say everybody in America claimed to be a Christian, everybody went to church, that what's that going to do? The churches, the caliber of churches we have today are so watered down. All the major denominations completely watered down. You get a basic truncated limited gospel message every stinking Sunday and that's it. And you don't learn these things. 
you don't learn this is the this is scratching the surface of personal sanctification which then leads to cultural sanctification so yeah that that was trump's that was trump's problem he thought we were living back in the 50s or the 40s or maybe even the 60s where people took responsibility because they had a christian worldview even if they themselves weren't christian they were immersed in that christian heritage that we've had for the past 150 years we were founded as a Christian nation. America was built on Christianity. And now we're running on the fumes of whatever's left of that. And we weren't designed to run this way. That's why we're crumbling. Yeah, I think um, here's a, an analogy to kind of explain everything. You, Our nation is like a canister of like volatile chemicals <laughs> that when you open it up, it explodes because it because it's volatile to air, I guess. Um, so we need to neutralize this chemical so it isn't as volatile and slowly introduce the air so it doesn't explode. That is a great analogy. I wonder oh. I wonder why you came up with chemicals and explosions and that's oh, so yeah. random. Yeah, no, so yeah. random. And then a train derailing. Oh no, I yeah. didn't say that. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yes. Awesome. Well, Jake, thanks so much for all your research you put into this and for bearing with me with my uh, uh, loose theological connection to this topic. <laughs> Not loose. Um, okay, thanks. I didn't think so either, but, uh, you know, just double, double checking. <laughs> Thank you all so, so much for watching or listening to us today. Don't forget trdshow.net, show website. Send us an email, trdshow at protonmail.com. We will see you on Wednesday, almost said Friday, Wednesday, when we break down Chapter 3 in Douglas Wilson and Douglas Jones's book, Angels in the Architecture. Uh, you don't want to miss this episode. And until then, remember everyone, in all that you do, do it as unto the Lord. <laughs>